the if you have a TSA, uh, which is like a four hundred one k for government workers, uh-uh. the TSP. the TS, I'm sorry. T, if you have a T, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're talking TSP. about the Tran- Transportation Safety Administration yes, or the Thrift have Savings a, Plan. One of the two. If- Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach. Starring Exciting. Yes, very exciting to us. Uh, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. We are excited about this sort of thing because um, we're usually the ones in the uh, in the barbecue or at the cocktail party that are over in the corner um, mumbling about uh, economics while everybody else is looking at us strangely. But we think it's very interesting. Um, just talking about economics at a barbecue can be very popular or very unpopular, depending on the barbecue. I was just at a dinner party, and there were probably, goodness, 15 people there. We were sitting around a big table. And oddly enough, I got a question about what's going on in the economy and economics in general. So I started to answer, and the rest of the people gradually stopped talking and gathered around to listen like they were really interested in it, which right. I don't think I've ever had happen before. It only happens in select time periods and places when everybody is strangely sensitive to economics. The rest of the time, it is the dullest conversation anybody could have at the party. You start answering the question and everybody leaves the room. <laughs> so we're in a strange time right now. Uh, we're very popular as nerds, where usually we are relegated to the corners. Well, one of the things I noticed among this group of people and among other people I've spoken to recently that are not our clients and, and we don't have an economics relationship with them, they generally make what I call a question statement, which is, well, there's one thing for sure, we're going to have a recession. <laughs> isn't, yes. uh, isn't, isn't, isn't it or something it, like, like that? It's like a challenge is, statement. It's a statement with a question mark at the end of it. And, or they say, there's no question the dollar is headed down and it will lose its dominance in the world. But there's a well, question clearly, mark at the that, end of the no question. Yeah. Yes. And you hear them rise at the end a little bit. And of course, we address, I address those and say, no, when a recession is not necessarily true. It could happen. But we're, it's not going to be severe if it happens. And if you don't believe it, try to drive on I-35. Well, it's so much traffic. And, it's because of lack of activity. Say, Wait a minute. What's driving on I-35 got to do with the economy? I said, count the trucks if you can. It's wall-to-wall 18-wheelers. Those constitute commerce. That means somebody is making a profit, which is what runs the GDP. The other thing about I-35 is it's jammed with cars, and that's people who believe they should be spending their money by going somewhere else. Right. And it's usually going somewhere else to spend money. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. So they're spending money to go somewhere else to spend money. Right. Yeah. So we've got to give some disclosures before we continue. I'm going to do it in a very sneaky fashion. Let's see how quickly we can do it. This is the Personal Wealth Coach. That's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Just because it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC gives any kind of approval or acclaim Mm -hmm. or acknowledgement. Uh, We can't give advice on the air, even though we're the same people that are the principals of that firm, because advice is something that has to be given in the best interest and in privacy. This is neither private, nor do we know everybody that's listening. Maybe. We might know everybody that's listening. It could be just you and me. I'm not listening, so that makes it easy. 
Okay. So, uh, and then your disclosures next. Well, the information that we use in this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty or guarantee as to the reliability or completeness of said information. Okay. And then the last disclosure, this is not paid, paid commercial advertisement. We do not pay for this program. We are not paid for this program. Our firm does buy advertisement on the station's airtime, but we play, pay the normal rates. There we go. Yes. So what happened in the market? On the market, uh, it rose for the week. The S and P five hundred rose one point eight three percent. And again, the S and P five hundred is one we use because of the widely reported indices. It has got the broadest base. Uh, the Dow it recently has gone different directions from the S and P five hundred and so many others. So why did it rise one point eight three percent? Which, by the way, if you multiply that times fifty two for a week, you get an you unreasonable, very it, large it is number, a, an absurd rise in the market. Uh, but the reason was the debt ceiling threat went away. What was threatening about the debt ceiling? Well, a vote by a congressperson against raising the debt ceiling was a vote for the United States of America to default. And that would have been catastrophic is the word I think I would like to use there. It would have... Why don't we make it dogastrophic? Because cats are far better, far better at being catastrophic. Yes, they knock things that. off shelves intentionally yeah. where a dog they, might... Knock things over with a tail unintentionally. I, our local representative here in Bell County, wrote that he was very proud to have voted uh, against it, which is to vote for the United States defaulting. Well, I don't I'm, get that, but well, there's a significant number of people out there who are willing to let the United, who were willing to let the make the United States go into default, which would be the first time in its history has ever done so. And at the same time, get for whatever reason, I haven't figured out why. Basically, you want me to wrap it up. I want you to go to market and then we can both. I I don't want to put my opinions in and have a nice conversation about this and then skip the whole market. So Yeah, okay. Well, the market was up on the S&P 500 is up 1.83%. Now, for, for whatever it's worth, there's another big number out there. And that is it bottomed down October 12th. That was the lowest point. From October 12th, the S&P 500 stock index has risen 19.55%. That is a lot. By any stretch of the imagination, that is a lot. And there is an unattributed consensus. When I say unattributed, nobody will say this. I originated this. That once the market has risen 20% from a bottom, a bull market is underway. From there forward, it's called a bull market. Now, the question, of course, is if we had a bear market, it ended at the bottom in October. And we have a bull market, let's say, starts next week. What was it between the two? Well, it was a bull market retroactively. Yeah. We were in a bull and didn't know it. Yeah. Or knew it, but only as a suspect and needed to be proven right by the future. And I will say we were probably, as far as I can tell by looking at publications, we're the only people who said since October we've been in a bull market. That's all right. No, they're going to start saying it soon. (laughs) Yes. Yes. They they, will have to listen to the show or read their newsletter or something. Anyway, the, uh, we are up a lot. This is, this is an up market. But it isn't as up as it could be. Why is it not as up as it could be? Well, because it's still significantly down. Well, that's a great 10%. answer. I, I'm just going to give that as a simple answer. And when, when I say it's not as up as it could be, and people say, well, why is that? I'll say, because it's still down. It's that, down and 10%. On to, the, on to the next subject. <laughs> it's down 10% from where it was in January 2022. Uh, and, and that's just... The reality, if uh, if you're measuring back to January of 2022, the market is down 10%. If you're measuring from October 
it's up nearly 20%. If you measure from three years ago, it is also up a lot, like 32%, which is- Per year? Yeah. No, no. 32% total. Okay. Total. Well, that's because we're measuring close to the bottom of the pandemic crash. Yeah. Right. And, but if you go back, the further back you go, the higher the growth, the higher the appreciation of the S&P 500 gets. This is one of the reasons I think we're in a blue market, bull, bull market. Okay. <laughs> um, the U.S. Treasury note, which has been 10-year U.S. Treasury note, which has been for the last year or so pretty volatile, has stuck in a trading range. It's, it's yielding 3.69%. It's been up to four, just base, base, barely, and it's been down to 3.5. But it kind of wanders around there in the middle. The yield curve remains intensely uh, inverted when we measure from very, very short-term T-bills out to the 10-year treasury. Uh, very short-term, near-maturity, uh, we call them in general bonds, but at that point they're called bills. Um, it's like up above, still up about 5% and staying there. Now, this is lower than it was last week. Well, some of it's lower and some of it's higher. The very shortest stuff as we were coming up on the possible default of the U.S. government got up to 6% in 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 last week, which is nuts. It's because some people were really afraid that those short-term things weren't going to get paid. Uh, So it did have an effect. The government did have to pay more for its debt. In that short period of time when we weren't sure if they were going to default or not. And we're about to see another thing that the pundits are worried about, which is we're about to see a tremendous issuance of treasury securities to refill the coffers of the treasury for the money they spent during the period from January, I think it was 31st through now. Uh, They've got to get out there and borrow a lot of money to fill up the people they fill up the accounts like the government. The, if you have a TSA, uh, which is like a 401k for government workers, uh-uh. the TSP, the, TS, I'm sorry, T, if you have a T, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're talking TSP. about the tra- Transportation Safety Administration yes, or the Thrift you have Savings a, Plan, one of the two. If you have if you have a Thrift Savings Plan and you have your money in the uh, G Fund, which is supposedly the safest one, there's a lot of money that isn't there. Yeah, the, all the money that you've been putting into the G Fund since January has been going into the General Revenue Fund of Congress. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what I've said. That's what G really amounts <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah. So now that's all got to be purchased back because you had a little IOU put in your account that you didn't know was an IOU. It was an IOU to replace a different IOU. And it's a, it's a it's a bad deal for us. It's a bad deal for everybody. Let me explain why. The fact that we got so close to default is one of the reasons interest rates are still as high as they are. So as the government goes out there to borrow money, you we would expect that, okay, everything's cool. Interest the, th- the threat is behind us. Interest rates should come down. Well, they didn't. They pretty much stayed where they were, which means the government, as it goes to borrow money now to make up for the money it spent between j- end of January and now, is going to pay a higher interest rate than it would have had it been able to go along borrowing the money and we hadn't had this debt default right. so crisis. The, the cost to the government is measured in tens or hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah. That's that's not hyperbole that's not hyperbolic it's not hyperbole in any way the cost to the US government to us as taxpayers be, over this debate is measured in many billions of dollars. It's really, and this is stuff that we've already yes. 
already spent, and so we have to kind of borrow well, back for. The, the fact that we got so close is an extremely expensive thing and will increase the deficit substantially. So the, in order to bring the debt down, members of Congress wanted to bring the debt down by forcing a threat of default upon the system. And in doing so, they effectively raised the deficit. And in, in my, my statement last week and the week before and the week before that, it's cool to adjust the budget in a normal family. You sit down, you have a conversation about what we cut. It might be acrimonious. There might be a lot of upset, but whomever's in the majority gets to make that decision. But you don't shake the baby. <laughs> don't shake the baby. And they were shaking the baby. One of the things I would ask if we have any listeners out there who are actually listening. What, uh, particularly, what, what, what did you just say? I, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, go ahead. Is note our opinion, which I think is fact that the way to control the spending of the United States is when Congress, the House of Representatives, will have to pass a bill mandating the money that is to be spent for the next fiscal year. Now, they have drugged their feet on that on many occasions, and the Treasury's run out of money to spend because the, uh, not because they don't have any money, but because Congress didn't authorize a budget for the next year. Uh, and it starts, was it, October 1st? Yeah, so September now, 30th is the last day of the fiscal year. Take note. That's that's three three months from now that the the, okay. the current Congress has to write their own budget. Right now, now, take note of who voted against raising the debt ceiling, and see how many of them support a budget. Budget's got to have the support of the Republican Party because it's got to come from the House. How many of them support a massive deficit budget? I mean, that's the point. Then I've got there. I, there's but, where you fix it, and and what it and frustrates me. Sorry, I that, have to interject again. We haven't finished the market, and I keep wanting to add new oh, things sorry. and well, other things. Like we the, had a, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil closed at seventy one ninety five, which is within its trading range. Market's done. So what else is going on in the big wide world? Oh man, the big 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 news is we raised the debt ceiling. As much as we complained about all the the political mumbles and, and narratives about what really happened. We're very, very happy that we raised the debt ceiling. We can get into the conversation about budgetary stuff and all that good stuff, but really the debt ceiling raising, the consequences of not doing that are not something, I mean, the, the consequences were just incalculable, a huge consequences. And I can't express that enough so that we're at a point now that's behind us. The markets breathed a sigh of relief. We got a little bit of a jump up in the market. Uh, so that's that was a big one. At the same time, the inflation rate in the eurozone is coming down, or the growth rate is coming down in it. So we're down at six point one percent from ten percent in the eurozone. The Germany is still in a recession. Uh, that is that was officially announced and. Uh, if you'll recall, you know, there's some things in here. People were saying we're being too optimistic about the economy when we were saying we didn't see a recession here. We weren't seeing it. We weren't seeing it. But we did see one in Germany. There was one in Germany. And we're still having hiring at a rate that is much you higher said, than pre-pandemic times in the United States. You said the growth rate in the uh, Eurozone. The growth rate up. of inflation. Yes, in I wanted to clarify okay. that. Okay. So inflation uh, is we, still up. It's just growing at a slower rate than it was. There was a paper presented by a couple of leading economists, one of them being Ben Bernanke, that 
thoroughly analyze this surge in inflation, by the way. And I know we want to politically, if you're Democrats, you want to blame it on the Republicans. If you're the Republicans, you want to blame it on the Democrats. But let me let me give the, the names of the people that did it. Olivier, uh, Olivier Blanchard and Ben Bernanke, the two yeah. Bs. They are the titans in the economic world. These guys are doing an analysis, which, by the way, Moody came out, but not with a paper. Moody's came out several months ago with, and found exactly the same thing they are finding. The stimulus checks had virtually no effect on inflation. The, the supply chains did. The cost of fuel rising tremendously did. Uh, and, and for those of you who still insist that whichever party you're in, the president from the other party was the one who created the inflation, all I have to do, all I can say is Google inflation in Europe and note that their inflation went higher than ours and is still higher than ours. And even as they slide into recession and breaking and news, me, the stimulus check. Breaking news in here neither Biden nor Trump was president of Europe. Just right. breaking news. We did not send stimulus checks to Europe, nor did the Europeans send them to themselves. As a result, they had a more severe recession. And, well, there's two reasons they had a more severe recession. One is Russia and the other one was the pandemic. Uh, and we just had the pandemic. Russia wasn't invading the United States and jacking our prices up as much. But the point is, it's it's a good idea to do something about inflation. And the Federal Reserve is doing it. Uh, and I suspect they may have to do more because it's being very sticky. But let's get off of blaming the wrong people for it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to blame somebody for inflation, if you want to single out a single person, who did more to in, increase in this inflation, to create this inflation than any other person. His name is Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And you can vote against him at the next election. You're eligible to do so. Yeah. So uh, not, not, if you're, not if you're living in Russia. You shouldn't vote against him in Russia unless you want to be disappeared. You know, you've got to be careful about that. Well, I'm saying you have the right to vote against him right. if you're in Russia. What, what that report from the two Bs there, Ben Bernanke and Olivier Blanchard was very, very unclear, <laughs> as is true about any true academically created economics paper. What it said is that there were a huge number of components that created inflation, and it didn't help the inflation not exist to have the stimulus checks, but it was not a measurable addition to inflation that it existed. What they can measure, and this was like the, the final part of that paper that I found truly enlightening, not truly because I suspected it already, but it's been measured now, is that those stimuluses prevented us from hitting a recession. The fact that we had money in the bank during a time period that all the news said we would be going into recession, that companies had money in the bank and individuals had money in the bank, prevented more layoffs, prevented... Uh, people from losing their jobs and us spending less money and therefore going into a recession. It didn't measurably add to the amount that we were spending. So if we look at the spend rate on those extra earnings that we had stuck away from stimuluses, and we look at what money was lost from not going to work, we maintained the same spending rate during that time period. The inflation came because we didn't have as many goods to buy with the same spending rate. So we spent more on supply chain issues. And another, the supply chain issue was exacerbated by the Russian invasion. So we had a shutdown in China and we had an invasion 
uh, of Ukraine, which meant that the food and energy prices skyrocketed at the same type, time as it was harder to get most of the other stuff that we were getting from China. So it's a, it's a complicated statement to say that when it's hard to get items, those items become more valuable especially if you still want those items. There you go. Which is, by the way, one of the reasons we're employing so many people right now. Yeah. Because employees are hard to get. And so there's undoubtedly at this point, based on all the numbers, we're having employee hoarding going on yeah. across the economy. Which is long-term a good thing. Short-term can lead to some inflationary stuff. And we're about out of time for this week. Uh, keep your savings up and your debts down. That's true. Up market, down market, good economy or bad. Do what you can to live within your means and to obligate yourself to keep saving. It's worth it. Absolutely. In the long run, it's worth it to have savings rather than debt. Uh, and that's a universal statement that we say all the time. Um, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we do give independent, customized fiduciary advice for people of high net worth. That comes with portfolio management. Uh, if uh, you would like to talk to us about that, you can call our voicemail during the weekend. Real live people, no phone trees during the week. Uh, and that local number is? 254-947-1111. Or 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can uh, go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletters and sign up for it. Listen to, to our radio programs going back a lot of years. Find our podcasts wherever they're fine. We have a contact form on our website. You can also email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. We appreciate those of you that listen to our mumbling and mattering. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.